Letter Thirty of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume Three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter Thirty miss clarissa harlowe to miss howe sunday night april sixteenth i may send to you although you are forbid to write to me may i not for that is not a correspondence is it where letters are not answered i am strangely at a loss what to think of this man he is a perfect proteus i can but write according to the shape he assumes at the time don't think me the changeable person i beseech you if in one letter i contradict what i wrote in another nay if i seem to contradict what i said in the same letter for he is a perfect chameleon or rather more variable than the chameleon for that it is said cannot assume the red and the white but this man can and though black seems to be his natural color yet has he taken great pains to make me think him nothing but white but you shall judge of him as i proceed only if i anywhere appear to you to be credulous i beg you to set me right for you are a stander-by as you say in a former would to heaven i were not to play for i think after all i am held to a desperate game before i could finish my last to you he sent up twice more to beg admittance i returned for answer that i would see him at my own time i would neither be invaded nor prescribed to considering how we parted and my delaying his audience as he sometimes calls it i expected him to be in no very good humour when i admitted of his visit and by what i wrote you will conclude that i was not yet mine soon changed when i saw his extreme humility at his entrance and heard what he had to say i have a letter madam said he from lady betty lawrence and another from my cousin charlotte but of these more by and by i came now to make my humble acknowledgment to you upon the arguments that passed between us so lately i was silent wondering what he was driving at i am a most unhappy creature proceeded he unhappy from a strange impatiency of spirit which i cannot conquer it always brings upon me deserved humiliation but it is more laudable to acknowledge than to persevere when under the power of conviction i was still silent i have been considering what you propose to me madam that i should acquiesce with such terms as you should think proper to comply with in order to a reconciliation with your friends well sir and i find all just 
all right on your side and all impatience all inconsideration on mine i stared you may suppose whence this change sir and so soon i am so much convinced that you must be in the right in all you think fit to insist upon that i shall for the future mistrust myself and if it be possible whenever i differ with you take an hour's time for recollection before i give way to that vehemence which an opposition to which i have not been accustomed too often gives me all this is mighty good sir but to what does it tend why madam when i came to consider what you had proposed as to the terms of reconciliation with your friends and when i recollected that you had always referred to yourself to approve or reject me according to my merits or demerits i plainly saw that it was rather a condescension in you that you were pleased to ask my consent to those terms than that you were imposing a new law and i now madam beg your pardon for my impatience whatever terms you think proper to come into with your relations which will enable you to honour me with the conditional effect of your promise to me to these be pleased to consent and if i lose you insupportable as that thought is to me yet as it must be by my own fault i ought to thank myself for it what think you miss howe do you believe he can have any view in this i cannot see any he could have and i thought it best as he put it in so right a manner to appear not to doubt the sincerity of his confession and to accept of it as sincere he then read to me part of lady betty's letter turning down the beginning which was a little too severe upon him he said for my eye and i believe by the style the remainder of it was in a corrective strain it was too plain i told him that he must have great faults that none of his relations could write to him but with a mingled censure for some bad action and it is as plain my dearest creature said he that you who know not of any such faults but by surmise are equally ready to condemn me will not charity allow you to infer that their charges are no better grounded and that my principal fault has been carelessness of my character and too little solicitude to clear myself when aspersed which i do assure you is the case lady betty in her letter expresses herself in the most obliging manner in relation to me she wishes him so to behave as to encourage me to make him soon happy she desires her compliments to me and expresses her impatience to see as her niece so celebrated a lady those are her high words she shall take it for an honour she says to be put into a way to oblige me 
she hopes i will not too long delay the ceremony because that performed will be to her and to lord m and lady sarah a sure pledge of her nephew's merits and good behaviour she says she was always sorry to hear of the hardships i had met with on his account that he will be the most ungrateful of men if he make it not all up to me and that she thinks it incumbent upon all their family to supply to me the lost favour of my own and for her part nothing of that kind she bids him assure me shall be wanting her ladyship observes that the treatment he had received from my family would have been much more unaccountable than it was with such natural and accidental advantages as he had had it not been owing to his own careless manners but she hopes that he will convince the harlow family that they had thought worse of him than he had deserved since now it was in his power to establish his character for ever this she prays to god to enable him to do as well for his own honour as for the honour of their house was the magnificent word she concludes with desiring to be informed of our nuptials the moment they are celebrated that she may be with the earliest in felicitating me on the happy occasion but her ladyship gives me no direct invitation to attend her before the marriage which i might have expected from what he had told me he then showed me part of miss montague's more sprightly letter congratulating him upon the honour he had obtained of the confidence of so admirable a lady these are her words confidence my dear nobody indeed as you say will believe otherwise were they to be told the truth and you see that miss montague and all his family i suppose think that the step i have taken an extraordinary one she also wishes for his speedy nuptials and to see her new cousin at m hall as do lord m she tells him and her sister and in general all the well-wishers of their family whenever this happy day shall be passed she proposes she says to attend me and to make one in my train to m hall if his lordship shall continue as ill of the gout as he is at present but that should he get better he will himself attend me she is sure and conduct me thither and afterwards quit either of his three seats to us till we shall be settled to our mind this young lady says nothing in excuse for not meeting me on the road or st albans as he had made me expect she would yet mentions her having been indisposed mr lovelace had also told me that lord m was ill of the gout which miss montague's letter confirms but why did not the man show me these letters last night 
was he afraid of giving me too much pleasure end of letter thirty